From Los Angeles, California, this is Burncast and I'm the bomb. Your day, everybody. This is The Bomb, and I'm back to mix down several previously unreleased sound recordings in a special series of audio podcasts just for Hollis Hawthorne. Do y'all know who she is? Well, here's her story. She's a burner who got into a motorcycle accident while traveling in India. She's still in a coma in a hospital in San Francisco, so it's my intention to finish off the rest of my interview recordings from Burning Man 2007 so that they can be played back to her in the hospital room. And maybe, just maybe, this will help give her just one more reason to pull through. So in the next few weeks, if you want to leave a voice message for Hollis to be used in upcoming episodes of the Burncast Audio Podcast, all you have to do is call 775-363-5861. Now, since I uploaded the last audio podcast of Burncast, which was last August 2008, I've been pretty active moving forward in making Burncast more of a vidcast than a podcast. I've got dozens of videos on my vlog at burncast.tv, with the most recent one being an interview with Chicken John, so be sure to check it out. Burncast is still available for free in the iTunes store, both the videos and the audio recordings. And if you're checking it out over there, how about you do me a favor and leave a comment? We love reviews, especially if they're favorable. So run on over to the iTunes store and run a search for Burncast, and you'll find the audio podcasts and the video podcasts, and even a Christian podcast. And those guys were a little bit sneaky in that they write Burncasts just like I do. I mean, like, capital B-U-R-N, lowercase c-a-s-t, one word. Yeah, totally. It's a trick. Be careful. Anyway, you don't need to go to the iTunes store to get Burncast. You can always go to our website, and that's at www.burncast.tv. And there, you'll also find a weekly events vlog post starring DJ Diva Danielle, in which we try to cover all the things that are happening in the burner diaspora across the country and around the world. Now, notice how I avoided trying to say community. Anyway, our events blog is released every Thursday, so be sure to check that out, too. And if you have an event you'd like to share with us, just submit the details in the events form at the link provided. Again, that's www.burncast.tv. Okay, in this episode of Burncast, it's the day after the man and oil derrick burn of 2007. I've been hanging out on my camp all day when I'm visited by three different people who sit down to have a chat with me. The first recording is a guy who goes by the playa name of Lighthouse. The next one is my friend Andy and this guy named Joe. And the last recording is a guy who goes by the name of Obi-Wan. Let's begin with Lighthouse. So I bought these really cute little Stetsons. They're red and black. I got them because I wanted to do a parody on, on Larry Harvey. I wasn't sure what I was going to do with it. I ended up not dealing with them at all. So I put them on the post on my corner mm-hmm. as a gift, thinking they'll disappear. I never expected somebody to ask me if, who they belong to and if they could have them. So here's somebody who has taken the hats. He stepped up to me and asked me who they belong to, and I've gifted them to him. So please tell me what your name is and what drew you to these hats and where are you going with them? 
my player name is Lighthouse, and uh, my real name is Bruce. What drew me to them? You know, I kind of just like the idea of getting like a western shirt and some western jeans and like, you know, cowboy boots and some cowboy hats and coming out to the playa. Like, I just think it'd be funny. Uh, I just love costuming. Like, that's one of the things that drew me to Burning Man. I've made so many costumes and worn so many costumes. Like, it's a lot of fun. Like, Burning Man inspired me to like start sewing and like learning to, you know, do design and stuff. And like, it's really made me even more interested in fashion design, like what people wear and how like it just seems so stale. Like, you know, everybody's wearing the same Macy's or yeah. like Old Navy and shit, you know? And it's like, I want to like wear clothes that only I have, you know, like and just make them myself and have them be exactly what I want them to be, you know? Do you have any tailoring skills in your default life? No. You developed them while, you were, while you've been going to Burning Man? Yeah. How many years have you been coming to Burning Man? Oh, this is only my second year. Okay. What do you want to talk about? Is there anything specific you want to talk about? I'd love to tell some stories. I have a lot of great stories. Oh, we'd love stories. This is, okay. Love it. Okay. So, here's a... Uh, um, oh, God. Where to begin? Okay. Um, I met these awesome people that have this Think Love agenda. Like, it's so great. It's like the 60s all over again. I'm like, Stink and I'm just, Love? No, no. Think Love. Oh, okay. Think Love, you know? <laughs> they're trying to promote, they're just trying to promote love, you know? And it's like, it's so great because like, you know, I feel like I missed out on the, the hippie 60s era, you know? I'm like a, a neo-hippie or something. So like, like, well, but without all the patchouli and like smoking weed, you know, like, just uh and you know i just think everyone should love each other like i was looking at the fireworks last night and i was like you know and the the derrick exploding and i was thinking you know like we're like using all these chemicals to blow up iraq and like shooting each other like couldn't we just like shoot off some fireworks and have a sound system have everybody dance or something like <laughs> i thought it was just crazy but it's like you know it's like why like i don't get it you know like personally if I was asked to kill somebody else, I, I'd go, you know, I don't kill anybody in my normal daily life. Why would I do it for you, <laughs> you know? So what about these Think Love people? Oh, um, well, they have a website, and they're traveling around the world trying to, you know, tell people that, you know, love is basically the answer, you know, like, and that it's so important, and people just so... It doesn't seem like a priority for a lot of people, you know? People have become so disconnected from family, and, like, you know, you send your parents out to like an old folks home and you send your kids off to an orphanage or like a, a live-in school and you or just... have somebody else raise it yeah, in exactly. a different language yeah yeah and it's just like and it's like what, what are we doing you know like what is the family you know like we talk about family values but like most of the people talking about value family values didn't even raise their own children or you know take care of their own parents you know it's like like it's just crazy you know and it's like so it was really awesome, and they were really great people, you know. They had a really great vibe, and they, you know, they came up and hugged us and gave us t-shirts and, like, that said Think Love on them, and it was, it was really cool. What They're, is family? What is family? I don't know. I feel like these people are more my family than, like, <laughs> than, like, my own family. Like, I mean, I feel more understood and more accepted here than anywhere else, and that's why I love it. Like, okay... Let me tell you another story that's great. I was uh, I was waiting in line to make a necklace at this necklace place, and um, I'm sitting there. I looked at this guy's boots, and I was like, I love your boots. I was like, Can I give you something for your boots? Are you collecting your cowboy outfit? <laughs> well, yeah. So, but well, yeah, yeah. I think they were cowboy boots actually. And so, like, he was like, he's like, hold, he's like, what size do you wear? And I was like, a 12. And he's like, hold on. And he like leaves, and he comes back 20 minutes later with a brand new pair of boots, <laughs> and gives them to me. And I'm like. I was like, awesome. I was like, well, do you want anything? He's like, no. And he's like, here you go. He's like, they came from Black Rock Boutique, you know. I was like, oh, thanks. And I was just like, amazing. And they fit me perfectly. I was like, wow. <laughs> it's freaking amazing. 
Man, it's so hard for me to find shoes because I have such big feet, you know? You know what they say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, and this guy, um, I saw this guy. Uh, here's, a, here's another interesting story about gifting things. All the, My whole weekend was about acquiring neat swag, but, like, but I gave away a lot of stuff, and I gave away a lot of, I think, positive energy and talked to a lot of people, and I think I, you know, showed people a good time. So yeah, this guy, I saw him walking down the street wearing a bowler hat, and I was wearing a vest and a pair of dress shorts, and uh, was I wearing boots? I don't remember. Anyway, it just would have totally set off my outfit. So I was like, I was like, oh, I have to have that hat. So I walked up to him, and I was like, what can I give you to have your hat? And he was like, so we negotiated something, and I won't go into the details of that, but <laughs> we came to a, an agreement uh, that we both were satisfied with, and I took the hat, and... Um, he came on me later and I was kind of stoned and I didn't see him and he snuck up on me and grabbed the hat and ran off. And so like, and this was like hours later. This was, I met him in the morning and this happened like later that night. So I like ran after him and just grabbed him and I was like, what are you doing? And he was just like, it's me from earlier, remember? And I was like, yeah, give me the hat back. <laughs> and he was like, oh, well, I just remembered that it belonged to my grandmother and some bullshit. Like he totally get, sold me a line. I was like, this is such bullshit. I was like, just give me back the hat. And so, like, uh, you know, I offered to let him go if he gave me the hat back, and so I just took the hat and let him go. But it was just weird. I'm like, what are you doing? You know? Yeah, what are you doing? It's, it's just so interesting that all these different types of people come out here for so many different types of reasons. And it's cool in a way because it's like they experience a culture that's outside of their own, you know. And, well, I guess we all kind of experience a culture outside of our own. And, like, there's this new culture we build, and we're all drawn for different reasons, but we share all these things in common. And, yeah, you know, you have to, like, put up with, like, drunken fat kids and, like, people that are just too weird even for weird people. You know, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't want to turn anyone away, you know? I like welcome them all, you know? Although I think the, my favorite part time of Burning Man is earlier in the week when people are all about the art and about community and all this stuff. And, and then it's like the end of the week, it's like, all of a sudden it's like, no, we just have to party. We have to take as much drugs and drink as much as we can and dance all night. And it's just like, yeah, that's nice and everything, but I don't feel any connection to anybody, you know? Yeah. And what is with all the goddamn techno? <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I haven't heard any good techno in years. I'm just like, it just lost. I don't know if it ever had any soul, but like, it just certainly doesn't anymore. All right. So as I let you fly away, would you please explain to me why you thought to even ask if you could have the hats? Like, some people might assume that it was put there, you know, anonymously. How did you think to even ask that? Well, one thing, I noticed a lot of things, especially near the end of the week, just get left places and forgotten about. You know, I found a digital camera earlier in the week, and um, I want, really wanted to return it to people, and I saw their pictures on the camera, and, like, I, I didn't know where they were, and I told my campmates, you know, that I had a digital camera, and that if someone came looking for it, to, you know, point them to me. The person didn't came came back several times, but never when my campmates were there. And other people were like, oh, I don't know, you know. And, yeah. and nobody knew who was running the camp, you know, because uh, we could only be there so much. We were a small camp, you know. And, uh, and we were open 24 hours a day. So they came back this morning as I was about to leave, like, for the day. I actually decided I was just going to go home because I'm just tired. And uh, they just showed up. And I was like, oh, you guys, I have your digital camera. Here you go, you know. And it's like they had left it, but, like, it, it went back to them. 
Well, thank you for asking. I'm really glad I got the stories I wanted to get in exchange for the hat. I appreciate your time. No, I, I, I love telling stories, so I'm always happy to tell people stories. I actually ran into some people later in the week who told me that they had been telling other people the boot story. Uh-huh. And I was just like, oh, that's so awesome that my story is like spreading out, you know, into the playa. And now it's going to spread out on the internet. There you go. Thank you. This is Burncast. It's a podcast about the art, culture, and community of Burning Man. It's my gift to the community. And now most gifts in the community are immediate. Here's your gift and you get to wear it or, or yeah. eat it or whatever. My gift is for when you go home and you're homesick, just click on the listen button and hear stories about Burning Man. Oh, that's so awesome. Thank you very much. No, thank you. That's a great idea. That was Lighthouse at my camp from Burning Man 2007. Next up is my friends Andy and this guy named Joe. Now, I know Andy from Los Angeles, so it was really nice to sit down and record this conversation. Well, until I see something on the ground and go, shit, I I forget about it. (laughs) All right, so I just started the mic in the middle of this conversation. I'm here with... Andy. Joe. And uh, I know Andy from L.A. Thank you for coming. Hey. And uh, you're kind of like, kind of uh, ranting about mooping. What do you know? First of all, how well, I don't know if I'd say ranting. But <laughs> okay. But sort of, you know, people are sloppy. I mean, I'm seeing something right now being blown away, and it's like, you know, maybe someone will pick it up, maybe they won't, and it just exists in this pristine land that we come to use. And I just don't understand how people can't be more respectful of that. How many times have you been coming to Burning Man? Six. Six years. And what's the moop level on a scale from one to ten this year? Well, of course it gets worse with every year because more people come. So it's not about that. It's, I don't know, we really have to, like, instill a culture of giving a shit. Uh-huh. Nobody cares. Okay. Oh, um, what do you, what's your take? How many times have you been coming to Burning Man? What's your take on the... Okay, and the moop scale from a scale from one to ten based on three years of experience? The first year was pretty clean, but last year was really terrible. A lot more garbage, a lot more uh, vandalizing the bathrooms, uh-huh. leaving their garbage in there. Uh-huh. It's probably uh, increased by by 10. Wow. 10% easily. Okay. Wow. This year. What are you guys going to do about the move? Well, we are already doing something about it, actually. Or we did something. We're taking a break. <laughs> well, you know what? We, we actually met on the platform of Opulent Temple, or somewhere around there, whatever. And then a bunch of us just started cleaning up there because the music stopped. And everybody else went to go dance, and I really wanted to too, but as soon as you pick up one piece that's out of place, you just can't help but see them all, and then you just can't leave. So then you just pick up as much as you can, and then you just keep going. And Was so. it a sacrifice? Not really. It just felt natural, you know? I mean, like, I really wanted to go dance, but I can dance later, I guess, and I'm gonna. Did you get other people to help you with your move patrol? There were other people doing it already. You know, the people from there. This other guy came. He said, um, remember that um, he's not from that camp, but he dances there every night. And so he came to help pick up the move. And we had, do you remember that guy? Yeah. yeah, we had a really deep connection with him about just, you know, feeling honored to be a part of something. And so wanting to respect that. Go back later, clean up the fun you made. Okay. Or go back and tear down the staging. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Now, 
now that we've kind of got a very important public message out there, yeah. let's turn to something positive about Burning Man. Mm -hmm. Tell me something you love about Burning Man. All the dancing. What was that again? All the dancing. <laughs> Tell dancing, me where you've been dancing, because dancing. that's really not a huge on my agenda, so I don't... Hmm. Um, let's see. The temple that we were just at, um, the dome on uh, 930, is it? 930 or 1030? Temple breaks Thursday morning. Let's talk about the music. Oh, the music. Wow, Temple breaks. That was a long time ago. <laughs> okay. But it, but it was it was totally happening, and and the sun was rising, and so I was at the temple with my friend Lisi, and Jeff shows up, and so people from LA show up. It's like you get to connect with your your family out there. So that's the Temple breaks, and the music was just going back and forth. Okay, I want to latch on on the word family. Family. Because I know about your family and you know about my family. Yeah. Are we family? Yeah, of course. That's why I stopped. I saw Burncast. I was on my way to something else. And I'm like, oh no, the bomb's here. <laughs> She's family. <laughs> what is family? What is family? Mm. Is it blood? No. Is it a, what is it? No. No, family is having the same values. Believing in the same things. That's definitely family. What is family? Values and treating uh, everybody with respect the way you wanted to get treated. So those people that actually do that without even thinking about it, that, that's family. How much of family is acceptance? I mean, how much are you willing to accept before you really cannot accept any more about it? person. That's what I mean about sharing the same values. If you share the same values, you naturally, by default, accept everything about the other person. Because you want them to accept everything about you. Is that why it's just a barter of, of acceptance? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, aren't we all on the same side? Good question. Yes. Depends on what time of day. <laughs> That's why I like to come out sunrise. Come out at sunrise. Sunrise, well, yeah. Is that, is that the most magical time on the planet? The most magical time, absolutely. Tell me about it. More music, more dancing, yoga, some fire spinning, lots of fire spinning, our cars. What's your favorite time of day at the playa? Anytime. <laughs> I can make myself useful day or night. I can go out and have fun during the day or at night, so I don't really have a favorite day time of day. Now I want to try to grab your memory and ask mm. you about a certain time and place on the playa. Can we please tell me any stories you may have about the rainbow? <gasps> the rainbow! <laughs> that was amazing! Oh, there was a dust storm and you know I, I like dust storms. <laughs> I actually enjoy them. And uh, sometimes I'll sleep in somebody's RV, luckily someone's around and I can do that. And other times I'm just dancing in it, it's awesome! And so, and then, the rainbow comes out. And it comes out first as, as like a half, yes? And, yeah, then, and then it was a double half, and then all of a sudden it was one over, and it just kept getting bigger and better and brighter and it morphed a little bit. It was just absolutely incredible and it lasted, I don't know, many moments. <laughs> I missed it. I was asleep. Uh, <gasps> oh my god, that's too bad. <laughs> it was awesome, sorry. I saw the lunar eclipse. 
Yeah, I saw the man burn the, the cliffs. It looked like a, a hard-boiled egg. <laughs> it did. It was all yellow and then red in the center. It looked like a hard-boiled egg. Candy? Uh, I, I don't think that I saw it that way, actually, no. I saw it as a, as a red marble in the sky is what I heard. Ah, uh, no, I, I just... Uh, that, was the, the that was the full red part of it. At first it was yellow, starting to go red. So that's why I say it looks like a hard-boiled egg. Anything you want to say before we wrap this up? Any uh, things you're going to take away from you from this year's burn? Just live and love. And clean up after yourself. Damn and Sometimes it. others... <laughs> that's the thing! Everyone needs to clean up after themselves! <laughs> Thank you very much. That was Andy and Joe at my camp from Burning Man 2007. The final interview in today's episode is with a guy who goes by the name of Obi-Wan. Now, Obi-Wan and I connected that year because I had a biodiesel cargo vehicle that I had rented specifically for the Green Man theme, and, well, he was a biodiesel provider. So you see how that works? All right, here we go. First of all, I want to tell my audience that uh, it was burn night, and I had an amazing night, but it was very different than any other burn night I've ever had. I looked out over the playa, and I didn't want to get wet, in the sense that I didn't want to go swim in the playa, and I kind of knew that all day long. So I made plans with some friends at Burners Without Borders to watch the man burn from the top of their container that they have over there. It's some platform, and it was just beautiful and chill, and it was so wonderful to watch people enjoy it. And then we stayed up there and we were waiting for the uh, crude awakening to burn and a powerful, powerful urge to go to bed hit me and I honored it and went to bed. Although I really wanted to see it burn. So here I am now with my friend Obi-Wan who saw it and he's going to paint me a picture of what happened. Uh, this is Obi-Wan. First off, we need to clear up the fact that Obi-Wan is not a Star Wars reference, but it's a reference to the oil baron. Uh, <laughs> What's the oil baron? The oil baron. The oil baron was the first comment I heard when I came on Playa. They said, wow, you're here. We always wondered what a veggie oil baron looked like. <laughs> a reference to the fact that we had made the fuel to run the commissary on uh, vegetable oil, on biodiesel. But that's another story. So last night was the burn, and there was an oil derrick on Playa. Called Crude Awakening. Crude Awakening. Very significant piece, I think. Obviously, this is the year of the Green Man, and the antithesis of the Green Man is what we've done with fossil fuels for the last hundred plus years. It's something that served us well, but something we need to learn to abandon and get away from in the future. We need to abandon our dependence on fossil fuels, and of course, Crude Awakening was a reference to this fact. So I'll describe the burn, which I watched from the, uh, the temple, a safe distance away, I might add. <laughs> it was, uh, it actually was a long time coming. The burn was supposed to be on Friday night, and uh, due to a windstorm and some technical difficulties, it got postponed till after the man burn. Even last night, it seemed like the derrick was dark for quite a long time before anything started. I, as a matter of fact, at one point, I. I debated 
leaving and just going to bed because it seemed like it wasn't going to burn. I, I thought that it wasn't just going, it wasn't going to happen. I knew it was going to happen, yeah. but I just couldn't make it. So uh, it started very dramatically with what appeared from far away, this black cloud that completely encircled the derrick. Just picture this black cloud covering the desert. It almost looked like a dust storm from far away, but it was dark, so it was kind of hard to tell. And the derrick coming out of this black cloud. And, and I, I assume it was done on purpose. I interpreted that as the oil industry swimming in a sea of its own pollution. And then what was even more symbolic was uh, just this beautiful display of fireworks surrounding the oil derrick, kind of invoking a sense of nationalism and patriotism that, that our government likes to rally around. And uh, The leaders of our government. The leaders of our government, yes. Uh, rally around the sense of patriotism and of course the the oil industry being at the center of this patriotism because if you don't believe in the almighty dollar and the almighty oil derrick, you aren't a true red-blooded American, right? So it started out with this beautiful display of fireworks, red, white, and blue lights oh, on the derrick. Oh, wow. Um, and then <laughs> there was also a sound, a sound camp there that was playing music to go along with the, with the performance of the fireworks. And, the sound camp broke into this rousing rendition of uh, the Star Spangled Banner. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, gosh, it felt like you were at a 4th of July parade and here's the oil derrick, the center of attention. At some point, the music starts to get distorted, like an old carnival, an old carnival uh, uh, music box where it starts to kind of wind down and go wow <laughs> and uh, and the fireworks just got more and more intense and you could just make out the corners of the oil derrick starting to smoke and flames starting to lick up at the corners of the oil derrick pretty soon the whole oil derrick was in, in just enveloped in fire and and of course the music got more and more distorted and, and just bizarre and then to cap off the whole experience I heard they released thousands of gallons of propane into the derrick and created this fireball that looked like a mushroom cloud it just shot up through the oil derrick and created a, a mushroom cloud not of smoke but of actual flame about twice as high as the derrick a fireball a fireball just unbelievable blazing into the sky. I, I'll tell you, people just went nuts. So it was just, uh, just, you know, the, the reaction from the crowd was just, it was universal. Everybody was just so amazed at this display. And I actually talked to a few people at the temple who were somewhat disturbed by the whole scene. I, I think the fact that they were disturbed was good. It was meant to disturb. Good art makes you think, right? Even though the the art was meant to inspire people and get them to think about the oil industry, it was really they were disturbed at just the waste. It was it was the irony of the fact that here they were making a mockery of the oil industry, but yet wasting thousands of gallons of propane and thousands of board feet of timber in the name of art for the sake of art. So there, there's an irony there where you're. You're mocking waste, you're mocking 
an industry that you believe is not good for the environment, but yet you're doing the same thing in the name of art. So is that valid? Is it is it fair to criticize art for when? Uh, and in fact, you paid the oil industry as a tool for your art. Absolutely, all that propane came from fossil fuels. It came from came from the yeah, from the oil industry. So there's there was a great irony there on on many levels. And uh, many of the people at the temple, obviously the people who were close to the uh, conflagration. <laughs> I just need an excuse to use that word. I love, uh, I love big words. <laughs> the people who were close to the conflagration obviously were, uh, you know, in, in the spirit and cheering. But the people at the temple, I think, were more reflective and uh, were actually thinking on a deeper level what, what the art really symbolized, what it meant. So I was, I was quite impressed. There was quite, quite an interesting crowd there. And then, uh, can I relay a little mystical experience I had at the temple? I would love for you to. Please do. So I got so involved in, in the activities yesterday, going around and seeing the art, and that uh, I had skipped dinner. Uh-huh. And uh, it was kind of cold at the temple, a little cold. I was probably underdressed. And at a certain point, I thought to myself, gosh, it'd be really nice to have a hot bowl of noodles. And a man came out of the darkness, pedaling a bicycle with a cart of noodles, and said, here, I've come to bring you noodles. (laughs) And this was the best bowl of noodles I've ever had in my life. Spicy, but just in the right way. I had noodles myself. Did you? Mm-hmm. I had I'd failed to eat when uh, I was over at Burners Without Borders, and they said, have you eaten yet? And I, I said, no. And they said, we have vegetarian soba noodles uh, in the kitchen. Go help yourself. So here I was sitting in the middle of the Black Rock Desert of Nevada under a temple that will be destroyed tonight having noodles. <laughs> <laughs> There's no other experience like it. <laughs> How was your burn overall this week? Um, uh, different from last year, I think. At times, I've I've wanted to get away from the sea of people, so I know your your reference to the sea of people. I found a good place to get away from the sea of people. Where? The oasis. Oh yeah. Yes. 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 Beautiful place. Oh, am I Hold on. was Obi-Wan at my camp from Burning Man 2007. listening to Burncast, a podcast spreading the flames about the art, culture, and community of Burning Man. For more information, visit www.burncast.tv. To contact us, and again, if you want to leave a voice message for Hollis Hawthorne to be used in the next episode, please call 775-363-5861. Music in today's show is from Pleasure Sean. Check him out at pleasureshawn.com. That's pleasure, S-E-A-N.com. 
A very special thanks to Lecter of NoSpectators.com for hosting these podcasts. <laughs>